0: We are about to begin part two of four in our season preview, breaking down division by division. And this week, we are probably going to talk about the powder keg of the Eastern Conference. That would be the Metro Division. Episode 335 of the Lace Up podcast starts right now. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth.
1: I'm Brett Dubuff. Uh,
0: disclaimer, we know Nathan McKinnon is signed. We'll talk about that next week, just so you know. Uh, But uh, this week, Brett, we're going to talk about the Metro Division. Uh, There have been uh, some stunners in the offseason involving Metro Division teams. And uh, let's start with the the team that's uh, made some pretty bold trades, but trades uh, with a big payoff, uh, potentially, the Carolina
1: Hurricanes. Yeah, we're going to do the same thing that we did for the Atlantic Division. We're going to start off with going alphabetically, and then we're going to switch off with players to watch and things like that. And I'll... Keep uh, you guys updated on who did they add and who did they subtract, or which teams added and which teams subtracted. Um, so Carolina, they uh, we start off with them. Of course, they had 116 points. Uh, they added Brent Burns. They added Max Pacioretty. Um, I think we've mentioned before, but just in case we didn't, uh, he's going to be out until February. Uh, Paul Stasny they added, which I liked. That move, uh, Andre Cachet, Dylan C- uh, Coughlin, uh, Ryan Dezingle, and Mac-er- McCurkin. I don't know his first name. Um, uh,
0: that would be Mackenzie McKecker, and he was on uh, the Blues a while back, and now he's made his way to Carolina. Okay, the Hockey
1: News doesn't even mention him interesting hmm.
0: cap friendly does that's okay sources. Yeah, yeah yeah
1: i i mean i believe you <laughs> but, but yeah it's
0: it it's i mean in the grand scheme of things if you look at carolina's yeah. depth it's just like a guy in the system
1: but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: still a guy with nhl experience and uh, yeah, was yeah. on the blues not
1: too long ago no 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 that's that's totally okay um and then uh in terms of who do they subtract they lost vincent Trocheck. they lost nino Nitterrider, um and tony d'angelo max domi um, Ian Cole, Brendan Smith, Stephen Lorenz, Josh Levo, Alex Lyon, and Andrew Polterowski. Um, yeah,
0: one of their top-scoring uh, AHL yeah. forwards. So one of those, like, you know uh, Sam um, Honest, uh A couple of years ago, he uh, TJ Tynan, some of those guys that good yep. to have in the system, maybe they have NHL upside in a pinch. But Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I think he
1: ended up going to Seattle, but yeah, it's yeah. like a... It could work out for Seattle. But we'll talk about him when we talk yeah. about Seattle in a few weeks. Um yeah, care it, it's the, the thing with Carolina is and I'm not sure if they necessarily addressed it this week this off season was like the fact that like, yeah, they have really good goaltending in Freddie Anderson and it was unfortunate that he didn't play in the playoffs, but um but yeah, of course he's really good in the regular season. Um and then they added Brent Burns and substituted him with, uh, or they substituted Brent Burns in for uh, Tony D'Angelo. Um, so there's that. But like during the playoffs, I think it was it was more than just the goaltending that was their issue. It was more like they don't necessarily have like a difference maker on the forward side of things or a game changer that can really like uh, change their luck uh, on the, on the forward side. Like, yes, uh, don't get me wrong. Sveshnikov has that potential. Ajo is a re- really good player as well, obviously. Um, and Tara Vinen is good in his own right, but they don't necessarily have that um, here. And also not to mention like Vincent Trocek had a really good underrated season last year. They don't have that. Any- they don't have him anymore. Um, they- and like, yeah, it's going to be a loss when they don't have Max ready. He could have helped, but it looks like he's injured for a little bit longer, and now it's unclear of like if he'll ever be the same ready that we've been used to for all those years. Um, so it's like I could I could potentially see Carolina take a decline. I still I mean spoiler alert I still have them in my in the playoffs, but there is some like worrisome where it's like okay, did they do Anything really of note uh, for Carolina, and that I'm not necessarily sure.
0: I mean, I don't think they really did anything of note, but also I don't really think they had to. Like, you have,
1: I mean, the they did of a
0: pretty good team for the most part right, in terms yeah. of your core pieces, and you True. just have to add around those guys. And here's the key thing that strikes out to me when talking about the Carolina Hurricanes they have a lot of free agents coming up that if they wanted to upgrade, they could use some of those pieces as trade bait. Not to say Jordan Stoll is a trade bait, per se, because he's the heart and soul. At 34 years old, he's the captain of this team. And at $6 million, if you want to afford a superstar for a playoff run, you know, you're know you probably looking at him as, you know if you needed uh, to shed some cap space, maybe he's the guy. But he offers so much more than just um, his production, his presence on the ice. He is the heartbeat of the Carolina hurricanes, but they also have Jake Gardner with one year left at 4.05 million. He's also been hampered by injuries. Max patch ready. You mentioned Brett $7 million. He's going to be a UFA after this year. Both of their goaltenders, Anderson and Ranta are UFAs at the end of the year. So there's a lot of short-term options that they could interchange if they want to upgrade mm-hmm. in several areas. Meantime, you have Svechnikov under contract long-term. Uh, same with Kotkaniemi. you got a couple more years of Taravainen at an affordable rate. Um, you also have two more years of Sebastian Aho. He's going to be a free agent in two yeah. years. Um, so that'll be something to keep in mind there. Pesce and Slavin have got some term to them as well. Um, but overall, this is still a team that um, is, is a slam dunk contender at worst. Mm -hmm. for uh, the Metro Division title. They are that good. They've established an identity. Um, They've been, for all intents and purposes, over the past couple of years, stuck to that identity, and it's gotten them results. And that also doesn't include the young guys that are in the system. Ryan Suzuki hasn't made an impact yet. Neither has Dominic Bach. And um, we saw what kind of impact Seth Jarvis made uh, in his rookie season last year, too. So I expect him to... To, yep. to be in the conversation as, sure. uh, at, at worst, uh, a top-nine solid forward for
1: them. Yeah, I guess to reiterate, like, they did add Brent Burns, and they didn't foresee what would happen to Max Petrotti, so I don't want to say, like, they didn't do anything in the off season. I guess I'm just, And they like, barely
0: gave up any assets to begin with. That's right. the
1: key. That's true, too. But, like, I, I guess it's, it's more just, like, I don't know if there's necessarily, like, a... And, and, and you're right, like, Seth Jarvis sh- should be... Uh, like, should have an uptick in points this year. Um, but I, I guess it's more that, like, you know, they have currently they have Kotka Niemi as their second line center and Martin Nikash as their uh second line right winger. Uh, both were pretty disappointing last year. Um, and so it's like, and I'd rather have Trocek than those two guys. I know Nikash can play some center, um, every now and then. So, um, so I, I, I guess it's more just, like, I, I'm just curious to see how they're going to fill the Vincent Trocheck thing. Because I, I guess they're trying to fill it in within the system um, instead of uh, just, you know, going out and getting someone. Um, but, yeah, of course, it's not like they foresaw Max Petretti. And it's not like, you know, Brent Burns should help their team as well, of course. So, um, so there, there, there's certainly that aspect of it. Anyways. How is uh? What who's your player to watch?
0: Um, honestly, that's a very, very, very tough call. Uh, just because they have so many underrated weapons that you could pick and choose from, and ultimately their compete level, their efforts is what makes them so good. Um, but if I had to pick a single guy out of this pack, um. Jeez, this is a tough one. Um I would probably I would probably say
1: I mean you kind of lead yeah, it towards man. it with uh, Seth Jarvis, but Yeah, no,
0: I'll go with Seth Jarvis. Screw <laughs> <laughs> it. Um yeah, like I said, 40 points in 68 games, 17 goals, and then the playoffs he had eight points in 14 games. Honestly, impressive, impressive numbers by a rookie. And and junior hockey was one of the best forwards on his team. The heartbeat of that team as well. Um, I'm just interested to see how confident they are in his abilities and where he slots into the lineup. I think he's, I think he's good enough to be a solid second line contributor. Yeah. Uh, This, this soon in his career. I really believe that.
1: Well, currently, according to cap friendly, they have him on the first line, um, which is even better. There you go. Yeah.
0: So they, they do trust him a lot.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I I also like. I don't know if this would if I had Carolina, I might have said Jack Drury because uh, he's kind of yep. interesting. Although I don't know, like he's probably going to be a bottom sixer, so I don't know if that really counts. Also, Paul Stastny is also good, but yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it's just like like for a contending team, there's a lot of question marks on this on this team. So I, I guess that's really more my point. Um, yeah,
0: and when when you take a look at Seth Jarvis, uh, just before we wrap up here on the sure. Carolina stuff, and the type of guys that uh, he was playing with uh, this past season, uh, in the first half, in the first quarter of last season, he spent a fair amount of time with the likes of Sveshnikov and Aho, and also Vincent Trocheck. Um, he continued to spend time with uh, Trocheck a little bit of Martin Akash on uh, the second quarter there. Uh, still a little bit with Ajo's, uh, spend some time with Tara Beinin as well. Uh, that tandem of, uh, Tara and Ajo paired with Jarvis, uh, in the third quarter of the season as well. You still saw a lot of Vincent Trocek in there. So now that Trocek is out of the picture, I would imagine, um, he's going to continue to build on, uh, his bond with Sebastian Ajo and, uh, sure enough on the top line, um, It it could be a situation where Seth Jarvis could stay on the top line for at at least a good chunk of this year.
1: Yeah. Uh, This next team, we've talked a lot over this offseason. They were probably the busiest (laughs) offseason team. Um, Yeah, I think so. Or one of the more interesting uh, teams. I guess that's a fair way of saying it. Yeah. Uh, Because, of course, they added Johnny Goudreau. Uh, They add Erica Branson. Those are their only two adds of note on here, which is interesting. Um, I mean of course Johnny Goudreau was like the prize possession this year, so they kind of, you know, they didn't have like it's it's quality over quantity in that sense. Um, and then in terms of who they lost, they lost Oliver Borgstrand, Dean Kukan, uh, Gerbe, Nathan Gerbe. It says here that he retired. Um, and then we have uh, Stenland. I'm not sure who this first... this is this is a fun game that we're playing. It's like try- me trying to guess who the first name is and um, I don't think I've ever even heard of Stenland so <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, anyways, Oh, Steve, are you still there? Yeah, uh, uh,
0: Kevin Stenland. Kevin Stenland? Um, around okay. the time, Emil Benstrom, I think it was the 1920 season where uh-huh. Emil Benstrom started uh, to, to gain a bit of traction across the National Hockey League. It was a part of Columbus's youth movement, uh, but obviously a part of their movement no longer.
1: Right, right. Okay, interesting. Anyways... Um, yeah, Columbus was pretty busy, and I guess it, what, what's interesting about this is that like last year they uh, they draft uh, you know they they make a lot of uh, get a huge return for Seth Jones um, and get those like three first round picks um, and they end up you know drafting Cylinger, um Coolman's and I th- Kent Johnson's another one um yeah. and then uh this year you think like okay they're doing a similar thing cuz they ended up getting two picks in the first round uh with Chuck and Yercheck um who are both going to be pretty good uh players as well in their own right and then all of a sudden they land Johnny Gaudreau reportedly uh there was rumors that Jacob Chikrin uh was going to go to Columbus during draft day but some like I guess Chikrin didn't want to go which is funny now because they ended up getting Johnny Gaudreau. So I wonder if like Trickerin might be now interested in them, which would which would be um, very very interesting if Columbus did end up getting him. But uh, that, that's a uh, tale if that ever happens again. We'll we'll talk about it. But anyways, yeah. So it's just like all of a sudden now, like you have Gaudreau, you have one of the best, if not the best, setup guy. Um, on your team, and then you have a like one of the best goal scorers on your team, and all of a sudden it's like, I I think Columbus is contending now, um, and yeah, sure they have some issues on their defensive side of things, and um, and like you know Elvis has to Elvis Merzilkins has to uh, pick it up from what he had before, but. For the most part, like I could see this team, like they're, they're going to be better than they were last year, uh, purely because of Johnny Gaudreau and what he what he does to this offense. Um, but yeah, they, they definitely come in with some risk. Um, yeah, I, um, yeah. What 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 is your take on this Columbus team?
0: My take on them is they scored 260 goals without Johnny Goudreau last season. Yeah. The bad news is they also gave up 300 <laughs> for a negative 38 goal differential. Uh, offensively, they had a very underrated team. Patrick Laine, Jakub Voracek, Jack Roslevic, uh Oliver Bjorkstrand, uh, no longer on the jackets. In fact, uh, his former house is now Johnny Goudreau's because right. hockey is a funny thing. Um, so... When you consider the fact that they had an underrated offense and most nights keeping the puck out of the net and keeping shots, you know, not in their uh, outside of their end was, was a, a very tough task a very tall order for them. There was that game I keep mentioning against Calgary where they gave up like sixty plus shots and lost like six nothing or six to one. It was pretty commonplace where Merce Liggins was getting out shot to oblivion. And, you know, until you significantly improve that blue line, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how good Johnny Gaudreau is and how much chemistry he displays with Patrick Line A or how mm-hmm. good the second line is, you still need to reduce shots to a minimum and give your goalie a better chance to stop the, uh, stop the rubber that's coming his way. Yeah. Um, so until they manage those scoring chances against, um, Columbus is going to be a tough out. They're not going to make it easy on teams. But they need a good combination of firepower and team defense before they showcase significantly better results. And in a division that can just straight up uh, gun teams um, and really put shots on net and obviously put pucks in the net. Um, that, that's that's going to be tough for Columbus to manage uh, if, if they can't play team defense. It's simple yeah. as that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, 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 don't know. I, I think it, it will probably improve with Gaudreau in there. But yeah, it's, it's definitely like, that's, that's if the Columbus is going to not be in the playoffs, that's probably going to be the reason why. Um, it should
0: be also noted. Uh, I feel like I should mention this. Uh, not that it's a big deal or anything, but obviously, NHL teams have been um, taking chances on players on professional tryouts. Uh, Not as many have done that that, as much as Columbus has. In terms of notable NHL talents, they have three on PTOs at last check. Ben Harper, former Ottawa Senator. Victor Rask, remember him getting traded for Nino Niederreiter and that going terribly for uh, the Minnesota Wild. And uh, James, the real deal, Neil, uh, on a PTO with the Jackets as well. So uh, could make for... Some decent offensive depth, uh, if he's able to land a spot there, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I noticed that in your little write up here, but I don't really mention the PTOs because, like, some most times they don't end up signing, but yeah, that James Neal is someone that could make some noise potentially. It
0: should also be noted, by the way, uh, on a More serious note, Alex Texier, due to mental health reasons, is not playing at all this year. Yeah. Um, So they won't have his services. Or
1: I I think, like, at the very least, he's playing in France, his home country. Um, Yeah. But, yeah. Um,
0: But he's he's taking time away for for personal reasons, and we wish him well. But, yeah, Yeah. he he won't be around Columbus this year. Right, right, right.
1: Um, In terms of players to watch, there's a few guys. I mean, of course, we talked about Johnny Gaudreau ad nauseum. In the past couple of episodes, so I'm not going to take him. But, of course, he is a fun player to watch. And Patrick Liney, of course, is a fun player to watch. Um, I was also thinking of maybe Cole Sillinger or Ken Johnson. I knew you
0: were going to mention his name.
1: I Well, I, I'm i not actually going to pick him. But, uh, yeah. those he was on your mind, though. He was on my mind. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I do want to mention them. They're honorable mentions, I, I shall yeah. say. Uh, just, like, Ken Johnson low-key like he could be the more Exciter of this year where like no one's talking about him but like he he could well by the end of the year yeah they, they could you could see him but I'm not gonna pick him either um, Adam bockphi is another one that could be interesting or could make some noise uh, but the actual play oh and Jack is another one um, but the actual person who I'm gonna talk about is Boone Jenner Um and that's because this past year, um, we didn't—I don't think we've even mentioned him on the show last year. But he had a pretty good season before he got injured. He had 44 points in t- 59 games, uh, 23 goals. Um, he's more known for like this, like physical style, um, and that's still a, a part of what he plays. Uh, but he's also like good on the face-off dot. Um, he hits a lot. Um, he's like a fantasy hockey dynamo, basically. And then there are reports that he's going to be the center for Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Line. Um, he's also the captain of the and team. And he's also the captain Wait, of the so team, too. That. But, so it's like, and and however, there is one downside. Uh, he is going to be, uh, it looks like he's he's going to be injured for training camp. Um, it's unclear if he's going to make the season opener or if, like that stuff, but uh, hopefully he's he's ready by the time. But what's interesting is is that he gets injured, um, like three fourths of the way in uh, the season, and he looked great. He kind of had a breakout year, but then he stops doing it. But now, if you add Boone Jenner and he becomes like uh, the the third part of the Line A Gaudreau experience, this guy could end up being like one of this, like, unicorn-type players who can, like, he can do everything. He can win you face-offs, he can hit, uh, he can be physical, he can also score goals for you and, and be a part of the offense. So, um, yeah, he's kind of like, uh, it will be interesting to just to see who's actually going to be the center, because it could very well be Cole Cylinder, it could very well be Kent Johnson, or it could very well be Jack Roslovic who ends up being that center, um, but it is cool that Boone Jenner gets the first shot, assuming he can play in the season opener.
0: Yeah, what's interesting to me about Boone Jenner, actually, um, underrated at times as yes. power play for And mind you, yeah. um, he's only surpassed three power play goals three times in a season in his career. Yes. Uh, as a rookie, he had four. In his third season, he actually had a career-high nine goals and 14 points with the extra man. And this past year, as you mentioned, he only played 59 games, spread, but he had eight goals and 10 points with the extra man. Yeah. So, potentially, Johnny is a setup man on the first power play unit, if Jenner's a part of that, yeah. he could have a very low-key, solid year, 30-plus yeah. goals. Of course, health uh, is, is a big concern in that. Yeah. But he's, he's capable of... Popping off offensively, uh, in 2015-16, he had 30 goals, 49 points and 82 games, with 225 shots on target, and he also had 213 hits and those nine power play goals, yeah. as I mentioned earlier. So a very underrated player on this offense, to say the least. Yeah. And it should also be noted, last year, uh, he averaged 258 per game on the power play. The year prior, he only averaged a minute 25 seconds of per game on the power play. So that's a first year under new head coach, Brad Larson. They trusted him a lot on special teams. I'm interested to see if that continues.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I imagine so, but like, yeah, what's interesting is, is like, so yeah, he had 44 points in 59 games. That's roughly like 0.75 uh, points per game. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's, that's pretty good. I know I'm going to be intrigued and, if, if you haven't had your fantasy hockey draft, I would go out and get Boone Jenner. He could low-key be a steal for you guys and win you your league. Um, anyways. Um, okay. Um, assuming that he's healthy. Um, but, yeah, you know, that there's it. that caveat, of course. Um, but uh, our next team here is New Jersey. Um, so they add Andre Paulette which is a low-key nice signing there. Uh, they add Johnny, John, I almost said Johnny Marino, John Marino, Eric Halla, Vitek Vanacek, uh, Jack Dugan, and Brendan Smith. Um, I'll get to PK Suban at the end here, but uh, they lose uh, Ty Smith, Pavel Zaka, Yane Kukudin, John Gillies, Andrew Hammond, uh, Christian Z- Yaros, AJ yep. Greer, and Chase DeLeo, I think is his yep. first name. Um this yeah. is fun. Uh so actually the fun thing about uh this the, doing the Metro Division in on this particular week is on I think it was on Tuesday um three defensemen yeah. in this division all retired they're all going to make it to the Hall of Fame um and uh so it's going to be I mean if you <laughs> if you're listening to us you probably know who these three defensemen are but um but uh, yeah, so we're gonna talk about the uh, the guys who retired um, uh, when when we talk about their last team that they played for. Um, so the first one up here is PK Subban. Um, yeah, I I like PK Subban is one of the more like he was one of the most energetic, um, fun players to watch, and that's impressive <laughs> for. Like, you know, we're, I'll admit I'm a little bit biased as a Bruins fan, and he wasn't, you know, but, like, I, I didn't love playing against him, but that's, like, a good sign of how good he was because, you know, he, he was really phenomenal in Montreal those seven years. Uh, he also had that, like, fantastic quote about um, how he loved playing at TD Garden and hearing the roars chant as they slowly uh, fade away. Um, or, like, he likes silencing the crowd and things like that. Um, but, yeah, P.K. Subban was also more known for, like, his personality. Um, and it was just very different from the hockey, like, the other hockey personalities that we've seen that are more dull and boring. Um, whereas P.K. Subban was, like, very energetic. He would give you some quotes here and there. Um, he'd also be just, like, yeah, um, he dead get in it get in on some of the action during the NHL. So, yeah, he was definitely, like, a one-of-a-kind type player that I don't think we'll ever see again. Um, and then, yeah, he played um, He played for Nashville eventually um, and then uh, kind of, like, for, like, made them go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, he wasn't as good on New Jersey. Um, I thought, like, of the th- three players, like, he had the best shot of... Playing another year, I, I, f- I felt like you know he kind of had a decent year uh, this past year as a 32 year old um, with 22 points in 77 games, um, but but yeah I, I apparently he's uh, signed a contract with ESPN. He's going to be a media personality, um, and that that's another way of growing the game because I I mean the other thing a part about it is is that like. I, I was trying to think of it. I think he's, like, the most well-known black NHL player we've ever had. Yeah. Um, and, like, yeah, there's Evander Kane, there's Ryan Reeves, and um, Dustin Bufflin in the past. But, like, P.K. Subban kind of, like, paved the way for a lot of these black um, black athletes. And, that, of, of course, that's very good from a diversity standpoint. Um, yeah. He's the first Ballot Hall of Famer for, in my eyes, um, but yeah, I, I guess I, I I don't know. I, I wonder if, like, p- because he had this, like, polarizing personality to him, I wonder if that's going to, like, uh, delay him a, a year or two, but I, I don't think that—I I, I feel like he's he's definitely going to be in the Hall of Fame, for, at the very least— <laughs>
0: Well, in terms of the Hall of Fame, there 460 points yeah. or 467 points, 115 goals in 834 games. I'm just not sure if uh, the longevity and also uh, his final three years, his numbers regressed. Yeah, very, but very but
1: good. like he was he was very good for a decade like before yeah no for sure like he won a Norris trophy i'm not
0: i'm not disputing the accomplishments at all even his his popularity even
1: even his time in nashville i i think like yep yeah he had some good years there too yeah yeah.
0: um i i do think you'll be waiting uh, around a little bit uh for that and it it's um it's interesting because um and i read this somewhere on twitter not 100% confirmed, but apparently he was looking at either a Montreal reunion, if New Jersey didn't work out, or Toronto, which (laughs) would be, I'm sure, very interesting to see how some Bruins fans react to that. Uh, But those doors closed, and basically that was it. PK was done. He was calling a career at that point. Um, But it's interesting because if you look at the New Jersey Devils and their team as a whole... They scored 248 goals, but similar to Columbus, struggled to keep the puck out of the net. In fact, they did a worse job than Columbus did with 307 goals against, and they used, I think, seven goalies. And none of them were jaw-dropping amazing over the course of the games that they played. Uh, Nico Dawes showed flashes of brilliance. Mackenzie Blackwood had a very down year for his standards, and... Everywhere else, there was just a lot of disappointment.
1: Yeah. Um, I will... Well, I will say that on the plus side for the Devils is that, like, Nico Heischer Loki had a great, great season. I think he had, like, 60 points in 70 games.
0: So did Jesper Bratt. Yeah, Jesper, Jesper Bratt, Bratt was very good. He really exploded.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jack Hughes uh, kind of broke out, too. Um, but, like, you know... And then Dawson Mercer kind of came out of nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh yeah, so like you know they can build on this even though yeah what what's interesting about the Devils is that they yeah they like they didn't have good goaltending but I I expect that Blackwood will be better they end up getting Vanacek, Vanacek um from from Washington in that Washington trade so that that could end up working out for them too or like you know you have a goalie tandem in Blackwood or Vanacek or. One of those two is going to end up being like a good goalie for them. So at least like they addressed it, um, and and we'll they can go from there. Um, yeah. So I I don't know. And Andre Palat, you add Andre Palat who um, who has some playoff experience. I think the Devils yep. could end up being a decent team. Um,
0: that is that is the huge addition. Yeah. Um, but I should also mention a lot of their fours are under uh, contract up until the end of this year. Jesper Bratt signed a one year yeah. uh, prove a deal, uh, are, uh, eligible for arbitration as an RFA after this year ends. 5.45 5 million is his current cap hit. Tatar at 4.5 million is a free yeah. agent. Andreas uh, Andreas Johnson at 3.4 UFA. Miles Wood at 3.2 UFA. Eric Holla is a UFA. And Niz is under. 2.5 they also have at the same time Sharon govich as an rfa and uh, mackenzie blackwood as well damon severson mm-hmm. is a free agent so is ryan graves so they have a lot of options with their salary cap and also jonathan bernie's contracts coming off the books uh, after this season as well i assume they're probably not bringing him back and his hockey future health wise uh, is in question as well um, but there, there are just a lot of question marks up and down the lineup, uh, question marks what they do with their cap space once this year is done. And their defense, obviously they gain Marino. Um, but beyond that, um, they extend Jonas Siegenthaler to a five-year extension that kicks in after this year mm. at $3.4 That's a bit of an eyebrow raiser for me. Uh, they do have Simon Nemich, who, uh, if he makes the team, He's I think is a promising team. young defenseman there. Um, but the thing that really concerns me about the Devils is their coaching. Lindy Ruff has been here for about two years now, going on his third year. And to be honest, New Jersey is at that point where they need to at least show signs that things are getting better and not being in a draft lottery position like they've been the past couple of years like how many times have they won a draft yeah. lottery um within the past five years they've gotten jack hughes that nico escher in 2017 they get second overall this year uh they gotta start winning at least 30 35 games maybe at some point get to 40 within the next couple of seasons too um and with this roster, I'm not really sure if that's going to happen. And it should be noted that in the offseason, Andrew Burnett was not, bo- yeah. was not brought plan. back by the Florida Panthers, but he was brought in by the Devils. Basically, to me, that says if we struggle under Lindy Ruff to start the year, we have a backup plan that we can easily slot in. Uh, so if I'm Lindy Ruff, I'm watching my back and uh, crossing my fingers as I go to sleep every night. Because one bad losing streak could be the end of them.
1: Well, I I was gonna I, I'm thinking that the their I mean yeah, Lenny Ruff is like an interesting coach for sure. Um, but I I think their downfall is going to be their goaltending. Um, yeah. I I don't I mean so I mean I guess that also goes in with the coaching too. So um, but yeah, I I could I could totally see maybe they they do make a. He like rough is the first coach that's fired and and then they start to go off. But there I, I don't wanna like take it into like a rough note because Jack Hughes yeah. is unreal, he's a generational talent, I'm I'm gonna mm-hmm. say it. Um and then Nico Heischer, yeah, he had sixty points in seventy games. Jack Hughes had fifty six points in forty-nine games. I think the issue with Jack Hughes is he's he's never healthy. So uh, if what if you can get like a healthy Jack Hughes, assuming that he's healthy, um, then then, yeah, you're work, you're working with gas here. Um, but but that that's easier said than done. Um, People and forget also because he was team her team
0: part of last year. Dougie Hamilton is on this team. Yeah,
1: Dougie Hamilton's another one. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point, too. Um, yeah, I, I guess there's a lot of injured guys, too, because, like, yeah, 60 mm-hmm. points in 70 games for Akeesha, that's, like, he still missed 12 games. That's a fair amount still. So, yeah. yeah um, anyways, who's your player to watch?
0: Uh, well, you mentioned him, so I'll mention him as well, Dawson Mercer. Yeah. Um, this is, um, and I guess you could say yes for Brad because you're interested yeah. as to what he can do. But Dawson Mercer, uh, last year at the start of the year, played on the same line as Jesper Bratt, along with Andreas Johnson. Uh, also played a little bit with Thomas Tatar, still with Johnson at this point. Also got some games in with Alexander Holtz. Um, we head into the second quarter, um, and we see a fair bit of Andreas Johnson. But uh, still on the, um, the, on, the, on, the, on the most common line uh, trio, he was uh, paired with Jesper Bratt once again. Uh, and Andreas Johnson. Uh, it, uh changes up a little bit so he gets more at Tatar um, and still at Johnson in quarter three. But um, you, you also saw him uh, veer away from Jesper Bratt in that third quarter, too. But in the fourth quarter, you see a bit more of Jesper Bratt and also a bit of U- Igor Sharagovich, too. And when you look at his numbers by quarter 14 points in 19 games, six of them goals. Then he has eight points in 22 games, so a bit of a rough uh, go there. Um, Starting to get his game going in quarter three with 13 points in 21 games, six of them goals. And then to close out the year, a bit rough again, seven points in 20 games. So the consistency wasn't all that good, but when you look at him as a rookie, he played a full 82 games and got 42 points, 17 of them goals. He had... 154 shots, which is a shooting percentage of 11. That's pretty decent again for a rookie. He only had two power play goals and four power play points and he averaged a minute 53 uh, per game on the power play and in all situations he averaged 1632. Not a bad first impression and I'm interested to see over the course of an 82 game season in his second year uh, how he slotted uh, up and down the lineup at the moment uh, as of a couple days ago, September 22nd, he was on the third line with Eric Hollis, uh, the guy taking faceoffs. Miles Wood on the left wing, and Dawson was on uh, the right side. The guys ahead of him on that right wing depth chart are Jesper Brat and Thomas Tatar. But being Thomas Tatar in a contract year, and I didn't really like his offensive output last year, I would like to see Dawson Mercer get some more time yeah. in the second line. And if Tatar struggles... Um, he could be on a line with Jack Hughes and Andre Palat. I really do see that happening uh, as soon as November or December, even.
1: Yeah, I am curious to see if um, the other guy that they ended up picking out in that draft, Alex Holtz, um, gets yeah. to play some well, uh, as well. He was the same draft year as Mercer. Um, I am curious to see if like he takes over. But, yeah, I, I guess I was, I, I was pretty high on Dawson Mercer, his draft year. I guess... I just didn't expect it him to like make some noise like this er- this year. I thought it would take some time before we truly saw what he was able to do. Um, so it's like this is everything else is like gravy, I guess, and and we'll see if he can continue to maintain what he was able to do uh, last year. Um, it should be noted though, uh, while he isn't on uh, the
0: latest uh, foreign line uh, lineup. Uh, on daily face-off. Alex Holtz, last yep. year in nine games with the doubles had two assists, no goals. Yep. And in uh, 52 AHL regular season games with Utica Comets, who are a very good team, yep. he had 26 goals and 51 points, so a point-a-game player almost. And he added another three points in five playoff games too. So it's not like this guy is struggling to find his groove in the AHL. In the AHL, looks like he belongs he looks like he's a reliable goal scorer and point producer. So if a spot opens up in, in the NHL, um, the key for Alexander Holtz is, uh, is he good enough to get in the lineup, stay in the lineup and start contributing? Uh, not whether or not he, I, I, I don't think there's a stage that, um, you can put Alex Holtz in, um, doubting that, uh, he he needs more seasoning in the AHL. I think he's had enough seasoning. It's whether or not he can make a big leap in the NHL and and stay there. That's the next test for him.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's fair. Um, but yeah, he he did have a really good AHL season uh, this past year. Um, all right, uh, let's go to the New York Islanders here. Uh, they Pick added to
0: win the division last year. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Um, they added Alex Romanov and Dennis Cholowski, which I didn't realize they added. Ch- oh yeah, oh no, I did. I did think they they. I remember back when they did add Dennis Cholowski. Um, they end up. I'll, I'll talk about Chara in a second, but they ended up losing Andy Green and Thomas Hickey, um, and then uh, the big one. What was what was interesting about the Tuesday? Um, three retirees is first you have Keith Yandel retiring. It's like, okay, he's, you know, he has that Ironman streak and like, you know, and he was good for a time in Florida. And then it's just like, okay, that, that makes sense. He was healthy scratched. And then you see that. And then like a minute later, PK Subans uh, retires. It's just like, Oh, okay. Like that's, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And then, uh, you have Zidane O'Chara, um, retiring here, um, like, almost, like, right after P.K. Subban, which is interesting, too, because, like, he was well-known for being the, the Bruins' D-man for 14 years, um, while P.K. Subban was the guy, or the, the D-man for Montreal all those years as well. Um, so it, it was just, like, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting that they both retired on the same day. Um, of course, I think we we did manage to talk a lot about Chara I mean, uh, throughout our entire show's history uh, due to the fact that Chara did play for the Senators and he did play for the Bruins for a long yep. time, and that's what he's most known for. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think both of us like certif- certified a first ballot Hall of Famer. You'll never see anyone uh, like him again. Uh, It's just incredible, just thinking the fact that, like, he's 6'9", and he can skate, like, no one's business. Um, And, and yeah, he was just, like, whenever he was on the ice, like, literally everyone was scared of him. (laughs) Like, to the point where, um, like, Chara, I think, like, once mentioned that, like, he could fight uh, players, but he doesn't want to, like, kill them, basically. Like, he has to, like... He had to restrain himself sometimes, he was saying. Um, and it's like, you know, I guess that is cocky, but at the same time, that's, like, very, like, like very believable. Um, and to the point that, like, everyone was uh, afraid of Chara. So he kind of changed the position in that sense. Um, yeah, towards the end of his career, he kind of dwindled down a bit. But for the most part, he was still, like, a decent shutdown guy, um, and and of course he provided that that leadership. I'll also always remember him as the guy who pretty much o- almost single handedly brought the Bruins back to relevancy. Um, when he he was the, he's by far the best free agent signing um, in the post lockout era, um, which is you know uh, incredible considering that was the first year um, after the lockout was when he signed. Um, so. So yeah, it was, I,
0: it was after it was after the first year because uh, he was oh, still in Ottawa in But that's right. It was a tough time for the Bruins because the middle yeah. of that season they traded Joe Thornton for yeah. reasons,
1: uh, and I, they weren't a playoff
0: I, team when he got there too.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. I guess I blocked that memory out of my my mind. But yes, you're you're right. Uh, they they did end up getting Chara like the second year. A good. Thanks for the correction. I know that must be tough for you as a Suns fan, but um, yeah, I mean, it's... we still
0: had Alty, but yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> Keep,
0: keeping Reddit over Chara though, right. didn't he?
1: That, that's the that's the the common thing, right? Um, but yeah, I I, I mean, I think we've we've talked about Chara a ton already. Um, but yeah, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. We'll never see a player like him again. Um, in terms of the Islanders, um. Yeah, he, uh, the, what was interesting about them is they got off to a rough start. There was some COVID stuff. Their arena wasn't ready in time by the season. So they had like a month straight where they were playing all road games, which was, which is kind of crazy, of course. And then, um, yeah, so they, uh, they, um, and then they just could never like, gain back the the stuff that they lost. Um, Of course, they didn't end up, you know, making the Eastern Conference Finals two years in a row, um, and then Barry Trotz leaves towards the end of the season. Reportedly, there is some, like, speculation that he, um, like, Barzal and Trotz weren't weren't on the same page a lot of the times this season, Um, so maybe that has something to do with it, I don't know. But, um, But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what this Islanders team will do without Trotz. Um, because it's like I, I I don't know a ton about Lane Lambert, who's their new coach, um, but but yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting just to see what what happens there.
0: Yeah, I mean the the most interesting thing for me is uh, their goaltending because last year we saw Ilya Sorokin, I think cement himself as the number one goalie, and I'm just curious to see. Heading into this year, presumably as the number one goalie, what Sorokin is able to do with this team and with a clean slate in front of them, he could have a Vesna worthy season. It, it it sounds it sounds weird for me to say that, but yeah. also not no, really. Um, he's shown he's shown in the the short amount of time that he's been here when he's on his game, he's one of the best in the league.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting too because there was like a time a couple of years ago where. There was Shcherbina, Samsonov, Samsonov, and uh, um, Sorokin, who are all all goalies in the KHL, and then yeah. um, and then they all ended up going into the you know um, their teams in the Metro Division. They all happened to have S's to start their last name. There's a lot of things in common with them, but like during that time, I think everyone kind of. Felt that like Sorokin was the best of those three goalies, and uh, so far Shashurkin has been better. But yeah, I and but like Sorokin also had a pretty good season this past year, so I wonder if there is that like motivation factor for Sorokin to be like, okay, wait, wait a second, Shcherbukin's supposed to be the second best guy. Like I thought, like so, like he does kind of have some weird chip on his shoulder. So like it's like okay, maybe Sorokin's going to be end up being better than jerkin which it's going to be hard to, hard to do, but maybe he'll be somewhat close.
0: Yeah, and to be yeah. fair, like Igor Sorokin played out of his mind oh, last yeah, yeah, year. Yeah, you course. look at Sorokin's numbers last year, he faced 1,643 shots, yeah. had a 2.4 GAA, a 9.25 save percentage, 7 shutouts, and a respectable 26-18-8 record. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty darn good.
1: Yeah, um, as for yeah, uh, yeah, Sorokin was pretty good. Yeah, he had a nine twenty five save percentage, um, even still. Like, and and the Islanders weren't even really a good team last year, so it's like just impressive that he was able to to pull that off. Um, in terms of the players to watch, uh, yeah, Sorokin is someone who was on my mind. Dobson as well, but um, I, I think I'm actually gonna go with Oliver Wallstrom. Um, I know that he's like projected right now that he's projected as a third line right winger, um, on the team right now. Um, and, and that's, that might end up being what he's, he's going to end up being. But at the same time, he was projected as this like goal scorer who can also like this power forward type player. Um, but what's interesting is, is that he had, uh, 12 minutes of ice time, um, and uh, the last two years, pretty much. And um, and I, I feel like Barry Trotz just didn't like him at all. Um, and like even still, like he, had t- like considering the fact that he didn't have a ton of ice time, he still ended up having like 24 points in 73 games last year. Um, and if I do my math, or if I just quickly do a calculator, okay, that's 0.32. That's like a third uh, points per game, uh, which isn't like great or anything, but, you know, I, I feel like that could be better. But, like, I, I, when I look at this team, it's like, yes, you have Matthew Barzal, but no one else really excites you. Um, however, I feel like Oliver Wallstrom has that potential to be that exciting player for the Islanders on the forwards stance. Like, yes, Barzal is a great player. Um, but I, I am curious, like, what if they end up putting Wallstrom with Barzal? Because right now they have Palmieri and Parise with Barzal. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so maybe they are, like, at least, like, have Barzal with Andrews Lee. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I I am curious to see um, if, like, Oliver Wallstrom has a, comes to have a better liking t- uh, to Lane Lambert than he did with uh, Barry Trots, and, yeah, I mean, and it's also also. I should mention that he's 22 years old so he's like he's still pretty young maybe that's why Trots didn't play him as much is because he was pretty young but like he's still very young so there's still that potential that he could end up you know having a breakout this year
0: yeah I mean you look at the guys that have him on the depth yeah. chart Kyle Palmieri and Anthony Beauvillier. Kyle Mary didn't necessarily um perform to his expectations and to the dollars that he's being paid. I still think Bolivia's is uh, a legit top six forward and uh good that could have a big season as well. But I, I mean if it, it's kinda of like Alexis Lafreni with the Rangers where right. it's like what happens if he just the top six minutes? Yeah. Maybe he just maybe just takes off. You never yeah.
1: know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I am curious to see how they they treat him this year now that Trots just is not or he's not in Trotz's doghouse anymore. I guess he could be in Lambert's doghouse, so so there's that. But uh but yeah, we'll yeah, see.
0: Yeah, if you're in the doghouse of two different coaches then it's probably Yeah. then it's probably you that's the problem or right. just the team structure just does, doesn't fit your game. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. not always a happy marriage. As right. we found out in an owl with Matt Murray, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Uh so now we'll go to the Rangers. Here, um, they add Vincent Trocheck, uh, Ryan Carpenter, Jarl Halak, Louis Domingue, and Bobby Trevingo. who I forgot they added Travingo. Um, they end up they lose quite a bit actually. Uh, Andrew Kopp, Ryan Strome, Alex uh, Gorgiev, um, Niles Lundquist, who we'll talk about in a second, um, Frank Vitrano Justin Braun, Tyler Mott. Patrick Nemeth, Kevin Rooney, Andrew Potato, Greg McKaig, of course, Greg McKaig, and Keith Kincaid. Um, and then, um, in terms of why I said that we'll get into Niles Lundquist in a second, uh, he ended up getting traded to the Dallas Stars, uh, this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, he goes, uh, there, and the Rangers pick up a 2023 first round pick. That's, um, that's lottery protected, though, or top 10 protected, I should say. Um, and then, um, and if that pick, if if the uh, stars end up being in the top 10, then that pick will go to 2024 um, in the first round. And also a 2025 fourth round pick. Um, and then that's if um, if Lundquist earns 55 cumulative points over the 2022-2023 and 2023-24 regular season, the pick becomes a Dallas 2025 um, third pick. Uh, so that's kind of, like... I, I lo- The more that I like I read all these conditional picks, it's, like, it is very interesting just to see, like, what <laughs> they... Um, like, it gets so granular, basically. Um, but, yeah, N- Niles Lundquist... Um, He was a decent, um, you know, a prospect, and um, yeah, he just didn't get a ton of playing time. Speaking of playing time, Um, but uh, yeah, I I guess what it was interesting because I like at the when I first heard about this trade, I was thinking like, okay, like what? Why did Dallas do this? Because like I still don't really understand it because it's like. You know, Dallas still has Jason Robertson to sign. Um, I'm not necessarily sure why they do this, but like, yes, they do end up losing uh, um, Jonathan Klingberg. So it's like, okay, I guess they just wanted that replacement. Um, But at the same time, it's like, you know, Lundquist um, had 15 points in 34 games in uh, Hartford last year. Um, It didn't really translate in the NHL. Um, he also had uh, previously he had 32 points in 52 games in the SHL, but like the Rangers have a plethora of defensemen. Um, they have Adam Fox. They have um, uh, Jacob Truba They have uh, K Andre Miller. Ryan Lundgren. Braden Schneider uh, ha- made some noise this this past year. So so yeah, it's it's definitely like this is something that they could afford to do. I guess, I guess the thing is, is that like Niles Lundquist is basically a lottery team, so their thinking is, is that they'll get a lottery pick, um, basically. It is like Dallas is just going to get like a lottery pick that can play right now, um, and um, and yeah, so Dallas has someone who's going to be in their their top four pairings, um, and someone who can replace John Klingberg. Um so so yeah, I can see it from their perspective. Um yeah, so so what's your take on this trade and then we'll talk about the Rangers?
0: So the Dallas Stars are in a more position of need than the New York Rangers are because they need good young defensemen with offensive upside. And you look at Niels Lundquist and as talented as he was, as much hype as he did have when he was drafted by the said Rangers. Um, The right side of New York's blue line is very crowded, and it will remain crowded because Adam Fox and Jacob Truba are both on it. One of them is basically uh, just a lighter version of Kale McCarr in terms of offensive upside. And the other Jacob Truba was just named captain of the Rangers, so they're now trading him. Uh, And then you also have Braden Schneider in the mix as a defensive prospect on the right side. Um, and you also have uh, some other young defensemen that uh, could have uh, some NHL potential as well. Uh, who, who knows what uh, you could get out of Matthew Robertson as well. He's also uh, in the system. There's also Zachary Jones too, yep. uh, even though he's a left shot. But uh, it's not like the New York Rangers were in any rush to bring up Nils Lindquist in the system because their defense is already loaded, as Brent alluded to. Um and the other, the other thing that's um, important to keep in mind is that Niels Lundqvist was going to stay at home in Sweden. He told the team, the Rangers, he wasn't going to report to training camp, and he wanted out. And Dallas knew this right from the beginning, and they still gave up that mother load yeah. to get a player that the Rangers probably didn't have any use for because of strong positional need on the blue line. And now the New York Rangers have an asset that they can use, which is a first-round pick. Imagine the luxury of trading a first-round pick for a trade deadline piece that you might actually need. Like, I don't know, Patrick Kane, perhaps. Perhaps, you know, you just dangle that first-round pick. It doesn't have to be the Dallas one. It can be... Whichever is lower, your original right. first that year, or whatever Dallas gives you. Yeah. Uh, and I would imagine they'll probably take, um, you know, uh, they'll probably give up their own first if they are pretty confident uh, that Dallas, uh, like you said, there's a ch- there's a chance they could fall down the standings either yep. this year or next. Um. And 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 that's that's good enough trade bait for the Rangers, and they might use that third, that conditional fourth or a third. Uh, whatever that turns into as trade bait as yeah. well. It's not neces—it's not necessarily a situation where the Rangers have to keep those pieces. They can just trade those away. Even guys like Philip Kittle, who yeah. says they're going to keep him with all of the star power that they currently have, and right. Kittle's not even a big offensive cog in that machine as well. Yeah, They have a very interesting blend of veteran talent that can absolutely light you up and promising young forwards that could do exactly the same in a couple of years when they get their chance to shine. So if you're the New York Rangers, um, I'm not going to say it's a fleecing because there's a chance Niels Lindquist could still be good, but I don't think he would be in the situation that he's going to get in Dallas um, if he was still with the Rangers. Yeah. So you get basically two assets that you could use to boost your playoff run or keep around and continue that young youth movement that you have going on. Uh, that young, promising youth movement. Um, So the Rangers essentially just got stronger and gave up a player that vocally said a few days before the trade he wasn't ready to play a game for them uh, today, tomorrow, or ever. Uh, So, yeah, I I, I like the trade for Chris Drury because he, he turned a position where... He probably wasn't going to get much to begin with, and now he's got two pieces that uh, he could use uh, to, to keep the team in contention for years to come.
1: Yeah, it, I yeah, I don't think Lundquist is a... Like, he's like right now, Lundquist is not worth a first-round pick. Um, like, he was there, but I, I think I'm just thinking of it as, like, Lundquist is a really good prospect, too. So it's not going to... Like, it wouldn't yeah. shock me if Lundquist... Is worth that much eventually, but um, but yeah, at the moment, no. But like even still, it's like so so from Dallas's point of view, you're you're trading a guy a, like a prospect that you can use right now versus like who knows what what that picks going to end up being if it like like if like Rangers the Rangers do have good drafting usually. Um, so, so there, it's probably going to be pretty good, but there is a chance that like, you know, that, that pick that they have will be someone that's not even ready till like three years from now. And so it's like, okay, so you're taking someone who, who could be, who's going to play right now versus someone who's going to play in five years, um, or, and reach their, and potentially reach their potential. So, um. And, and if they even pan out. So, um, so yeah. yeah I Ockman, I, yeah. I know
0: he's not a defenseman. He's a forward. But a really darn yeah. good forward for the Rangers. And he hasn't even gotten a sniff of NHL hockey. Yep. Imagine a couple of years when he's ready to go. He right, had a 50 goal season so. in the OHL and was one of Team Canada's best yep. players at the Warriors recently. Yeah, so. yeah. And I'll, he's, he's just another example, like they're, they're yep. at a point where they bring back Vitelli Kravtsov and it looked like he was on his way up yep. too. It looks like they it, just yeah. don't have enough room to fit everyone in the lineup.
1: Yeah. Well, Kraftsoff is, it looks like he's going to play. Uh, I like that you're bringing it back here. Because um, currently, according to Cap Friendly, they have Kraftsoff as the second line right, right winger, uh, which is interesting because I guess they're keeping the kid line intact, the famous kid line in the playoffs. Uh, that's LeFrenier, Heedle, and Kako, who are like on the third line. Um, but what's interesting is, it's like on the if you look at the right wing side of things, uh, they have first line as Sammy Blay uh, with Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. Well, okay, that's that, like Sammy Blay is a little bit odd to have him on the first line there, whatever. Um, and then the second line you have uh, Panarin and Trocheck, um, and then you have Krasnov. So it's like, it is a little weird. Like, I feel like that's just like, like, that's like motivation for either Kakao or Lafreniere to be like, hey, wait a second. Like, <laughs> there, there is some openings here. Um, it's just like, you know, one of those two should probably end up filling those roles. Um, although I guess Lafreniere is more of a left winger, but I guess he could end up being a right, on the right side. So that's something that that's worth it. Um... But yeah, it, the Rangers as a whole, we uh, you know they, they made it to this uh, the conference finals, um, and for the most part, like this this past year, um, Igor Shashurkin had like an incredible regular season um, where he had a nine thirty five save percentage and a two point oh seven a GAA. He won the Vesna. He even got some heart votes. Uh, that's how good he was. Um, And, you know, of course, you have Panarin, who's unreal. Uh, Chris Kreider, who had 52 goals uh, this past year. Um, Zbigniew is always good, 81 points in 81 games. Um, And then you have the potential of Lafreniere, who was the first overall pick in 2020. And Capo Caco, who was the second overall pick in 2019. Um, And, yeah, they haven't lived up to their potential just yet. But they also had pretty good chemistry in the uh, in the playoffs, and I'm I'm wondering if that's going to continue. Um, and and yeah, I, I guess that's like a good sign that we can for more to come. I like I think that's that's going to be the interesting part about this team is like how does Lafreniere, Kako, and Hedl do um, after their playoff success? Um, but anyways. Uh, it's not play. That's that. That would be my players to watch. But for you, Steve, this is your team that you have as a player to watch. Who is your player to watch?
0: Well, let's talk about him some more. Let's talk about Alexis Lafreniere, okay. the first overall pick in 2020, who Same still doesn't Alexis. have a power play goal in his career somehow, and only two power play points, uh, both of them uh, coming uh, last season um Alexis Lafreniere here here are a couple of things we talked about how Oliver Wallstrom's uh stat lines have been underwhelming but that's largely because his time on ice has been pretty low around 12 to 13 minutes a game as a rookie Alexis Lafreniere averaged 1353 in all situations per game only a minute 16 per game on the power play and it showed he didn't get a single power play point uh over the course of 56 games he had 12 goals and 21 points so that's a 31 point pace over 82 games uh only took 67 shots so when you consider he scored on 12 of them that's a shooting percentage of 17.9 percent hmm maybe that shooting percentage continues to go up if you give him more opportunities right uh so in the second year They gave him a couple of more opportunities, but still underwhelming. Averaged 14 minutes on the nose in all situations. Only a minute of 11 of power play time per game. So it went down by five seconds somehow compared to his rookie year. He also got 108 hits. So I commend Alexis Lafreniere for doing things uh, when he didn't have the puck. He was was hitting guys. He blocked 26 shots, which is pretty interesting when you consider he's a first overall pick. They... You usually don't see guys like uh, Lafreniere hitting and blocking shots at that rate. Um, And again, no power play goals, but he did have those two power play assists. Uh, 31 points in 79 games. Uh, So close to a full 82-game season there. He took 109 shots. So uh, considering he scored on 19 of those 109 shots, that's a 17.4 shooting percentage. So again, back-to-back seasons in his NHL career – he gets at least 17% in terms of shooting percentage. That's pretty good, considering his power play time has been so low, his ice time in all situations has been so low. Um, I mean, you look at the right wingers. I I get why Lafreniere, first of all, is on the third line. Because his preferred size is the left wing, and you have Chris Kreider, who just got 50-plus goals, and timmy freaking Panarin on the second line. Yeah. What a luxury to have a guy like Panarin on the second yeah. line. But, unlike those guys that are primarily left-wingers, Alex, Alexis LaFrenier has some experience playing the right side. And you look at, as you mentioned, Brett Capocacco and Alexis LaFrenier, and you look at the likes of Sammy Blay and Vitaly Krasov ahead of you on the depth chart, I mean, if both of them play well, I mean, who's to say... Either Lafreniere or Kako play on the first or the second line. With the likes of Kreider, Sabanijad, Panarin, Trocheck. you're looking at a 60 to 70 point season, maybe close to 30 goals for Lafreniere if he's on one of those two lines. And the reason why I say he's the player to watch is because the Rangers have a lot of money invested into their core players. Panarin, Sabanijad, Kreider, Trowcheck, they're all making a ton of money. Adam Fox is making $9.5 million. Jacob Truba is making $8 million. You're paying Shashurkin $5.66 million to be the stalwart, the net. And you have about a $1 million in cap space and a lot of Fords that are either restricted free agents or unrestricted free agents. Reeves, Blay, Hunt, and Carpenter are uh, unrestricted free agent Fords. And one of the three forwards that's a restrictive free agent is Alexis Lafrenier. So if he really explodes and has 60 to 70 points this year, 30 plus goals, all of a sudden the Rangers are in a situation where it's like, okay, we might have to pay this player more than we thought and we have to find a way to uh, balance the books so we can afford that. So that's why I have Alexis Lafreniere, the number one pick in 2020, yet to proven that offensively as my player to watch for the Rangers.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, yeah, you, as I, <laughs> I guess we have the same wavelength there. Um, I, um, yeah, I would have picked Lafreniere as well. Yeah, it's interesting too, because now that I think about it, it's like they, they luck out and, and win the lottery that year. Uh, they get Lafreniere, who was the consensus pick, um, and then, you know, even at the time, you're thinking, like, okay, they have Chris Kreider and you have Panarin, but I don't think either one of us, like, we knew that Panarin was really good, but I don't think either one of us pre- expected that um, Chris Kreider would be that good, um, and uh, or this good, so it's like, there is potential that, like, Chris Kreider isn't as good, like, I don't think he's gonna get 52 points this year, or his 52 goals this year, um, so there is a chance that Lafreniere can move up in the lineup, and maybe even steal some power play time, um, and um, and then that's when we'll we'll start to see like okay this is what we were expecting out of out of uh, Lafreniere, um, and then if that's the case then it's like watch out the rest of the league because it's like Lefrenier looked pretty good in the playoffs, um, he could look even better um, if, if once he really starts. Get going Um, if that ever happens, of course. Um, All right, we now move on to the Philadelphia Flyers. There's a bit of news here, too, which uh, is a pure coincidence as well. Uh, But uh, we'll start off with their ads and their subtractions. Um, So they add Tony D'Angelo, Nick Delorier, Justin Braun, Adam Brooks, and Grossnick. they lose uh, Yandel which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, Oscar Lindbaum, uh, Martin Jones, and Sam Marin. Um, And then uh, they have uh, Couturier um, is officially um, out for the whole season. He was out for like half of the season last year. It looks like he's out for the whole season this year already. um, So that's not great. And then Ryan Ellis, um, it looks like he's out indefinitely, but yeah, he took... Um, he only had, like, he only played four games last year, um, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, he, so like they're, they're not great. Um, and then if you look at, uh, the, the depth charts for the Flyers here, uh, you have Kevin Hayes as the first line center, which is like whatever. Um, but then their second line center is Morgan Frost, um, which is just strange, Um, so, like, I mean, like, I guess he could, um, he could end up, you know, providing some, some sort of relevancy, um, and, you know, he does have a draft pedigree, um, as well, um, but, but, yeah, it's still, like, you know, at the same time, he had 16 points in 55 games last year, um, he's going to be on a bad team, um, and then, and then, yeah, we'll also t- um, talk about how Keith Yandel retired. Uh, spoiler alert, I think I mentioned that. I guess this is the last of the defensemen who retired uh, here. Uh, yeah, he has the Iron Man streak, although eventually Phil Kessel's going to break it this season. Um, I think he, uh, Kessel now has, like, six more games that he has to play consecutively, and then he has it. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, he famously, there was a lot of, hubbub about the fact that the uh, Flyers decided to healthy scratch him um, towards the end of the season, which was a little bit odd because it's like the Flyers were way out of the playoff contention at that point anyway. So it's just like, just, just give the guy uh, like make him like, you know, it's like make him finish the entire season. But, uh, but yeah, he was basically done though. Uh, he had 19 points in 77 games uh, he's 35 years old now, so it's it's not uh, surprising that he ended up retiring. Um, his most like uh, he's most known for his time in Arizona f- slash Phoenix, where he played nine years um, at the start of his career. He had 311 points in 558 games. Um, and then he also ended up playing a couple of years in Florida um, and the uh, New York Rangers as well. Um, and he was actually pretty good for Florida uh, two thirty-one two mm-hmm. thirty one points in 30, 371 games. Um, and then for the Rangers, he played there for two years at 58 points in 103 games. Um, and Philly, yeah, he was pretty much the only team that, he wasn't good for at all. Um but uh, that is a little unfair to say cuz he was 35 at the time.
0: And he only played there for 1 year and yeah. also 13 minutes of ice time. Yeah. He was.
1: But like I yeah. I, th- I think he was most well known for being like the power play specialist. Uh he didn't really play a ton of defense. Um but like he could he could score. Um I think I I guess we always do this whenever we talk about retired players but Um I I think he will eventually make the Hall of Fame because of his offensive numbers and like that's like a a precedented thing. But it's gonna take a couple years before we actually see him in. Um I think that's just like just who he is. He just never played defense and that's okay if you can score and and then the scoring no longer happened for him, so now he's just like, okay, I guess I'm I'm done for the league basically but yeah he was a very good player um but yeah i i think eventually he'll be in the hall of fame although i guess it wouldn't shock me if he ends up not making the hall of fame but yeah he was he was a pretty good player though at the same time
0: i feel like uh what might hurt him is his days in arizona which is not a hockey market and while he did represent that market well but he was still um, pretty good I, I, i do sometimes wonder if he was on a more i don't know mainstream team a better hockey market if he would get more I, love and appreciation. I
1: anything. would, I will see. The thing is, is that I'm looking at his hockey reference page right now and he, he did get some Norris votes, um, particularly in the 2010, 2011 season. He even got some heart votes, um, <laughs> uh, that year where he had 59 points in 82 games for Phoenix. Um, I guess was that the Mike Smith year, uh, where like no, that came... was twenty
0: eleven twelve, the year okay. after that.
1: But he was, you know, he had he was thirteenth in the Norris that year, and then he was twelfth in the Norris the the following year. Um, so he does he does have some pedigree uh, for Arizona, but I, I I think I know what you mean because it's just like there, it's not like a well known prevalent place. But I don't know, and th- then he played for Florida, which isn't really prevalent either. <laughs> But he did play a couple of years in New York, so um, and Philly, so so yeah, maybe he he has those to tie back to. But yeah, anyways, mm-hmm. well, I don't. Did I interrupt you or?
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, uh, if, if if you want me to elaborate on the Couturier and Ellis, uh, oh yeah. um, Sure. Uh, it it uh, you might have gotten it mixed or a uh, mixed up there, but both are significant. So I'll start with Couturier. Uh, According to Daily Faceoff, he's out six to eight weeks with a back injury. Uh, Frank Cervalli of Daily Faceoff says, uh, further to other reports, he is told the Flyers are hoping Couturier's back will heal within that threshold of six to eight weeks. If it doesn't, surgery would be required, which obviously means significant time spent on injured reserve.
1: Um, And this is a guy that
0: was just recovering from back surgery, so...
1: I thought I saw that he was out for the rest of the season, but but maybe and, okay, um, maybe you're the, wrong. The, I don't know.
0: Yeah, so this, so uh, this is where I tell you, you might have gotten them mixed up because the Flyers uh, say Ryan defense uh, fl- Ryan uh, no, defenseman <laughs> Flyers say that the veteran defenseman Ryan Ellis's injury may end his career. Uh Um. So, what happened was uh, Flyers Jam Chuck Fletcher told reporters um, once train camp began that he suffered a torn psoas muscle. I probably butchered that in 2021. Uh, The torn muscle in question runs from the lower spine through the hip, and it has caused significant hip and core issues for Ryan Ellis. Uh. Uh, So, Fletcher says Ellis, for the time being, is out indefinitely. Unlikely I did to play say. this year, and also acknowledge that he may never play again.
1: Okay, I guess apologies. I I get. I did say that Ellis was out indefinitely. Um, I knew it was pretty serious, but I I thought I saw yeah. that this. I thought that I saw that Couturier was also out for the rest of the season. But okay, but at the same time, it's like Couturier has a back issue, and so it's, it's it might be a um it might be a problem. But okay. All right, at least he's yeah. like at least there is some timetable that he might end up being better. Anyways.
0: Yeah. So uh, so to add to the Flyers' chaotic uh, misery from last year, they yeah. went from a team that I thought could finish second in the metro. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, cuz funny, uh to dead last even lower than the Devils, nearly 300 goals against 298, only yeah. scored 211. Uh, so no wonder Claude Giroux decided to leave. Um, and uh, it's gotten to the point where they've issued professional tryouts to Artem Nisimov, remember him, and Antoine Roussel. Um, after hearing the injury news to Ryan Ellis and Sean Couturier, uh, I think they're probably straight in the bin, dead last in the division once again, especially when you look at yeah. the guys that, that are consisting their bottom six forwards and the fact that Morgan Frost is centering a line with uh, James Van Riemsdyk and Travis who are good players, but in my opinion, their numbers regressed last year yeah. big time. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure John Tortorella is going to get his guys to work hard. And you know what? God bless his soul. He has a knack for getting the most out of just about every lineup that he's played. But he's not a miracle worker, yeah. and it won't even. It, there, there's no miracle strong enough to will this team into the playoffs. I'm telling you that right now. Yeah, this this is bad news, Billy Bears.
1: So, I I will say I'm gonna say there is some optimism. Like, yeah, no, it's not great, um, but I will say that the like we were saying the same thing about the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets when uh, when they hired John Tortorella. Like, we were thinking like, there's no way that they're going to make the playoffs and all that stuff. But then because they had like pretty much no one, this was even before they had. Panarin on their team so and then all of a sudden yeah the Columbus Blue Jackets were this like underdog team that uh that really got them going so I don't know I feel like of any coach that could could do th- to make this work it is John Tortorella he can do it he's a very good coach um but yeah I, I guess obviously it's not looking great they're in a tough division already so there's that that they have a lot of stuff that's that's not working for them but i don't know i I, I guess i could see them uh working out um as the
0: the other thing i will say if i'm a flyers fan um i cross my fingers and i hope chuck fletcher is gone by christmas um if, if they are going to be retooling they cannot have him as the gm and i think a rough start uh should have ownership thinking a GM change because you've already changed the coach. If the team is still bad by then, it's obviously not the coach's fault or
1: the players. Fault. Well, yeah, I mean the, yeah, that, I guess that is pretty obvious. So we've talked about that as well, but like just and, even, and also, yeah. I mean,
0: there's kind of a dart in the draft. So if there is a year to do badge, Philly, true. Hey, That's no better year than this year, I suppose.
1: Yeah. I, I guess it's like he did flub this Johnny Gaudreau type situation. And, um, and then even last year, he had the, like, the, the Rasmus Ristolainen trade that didn't end up working. He also, like, bungles, like, Shane Gosisbear, who's, like, has an incredible year this past year. Meanwhile, they're, like, healthy, scratching Keith Yandel. Um, I will say, though, that, like, it does make some sense with this Ryan Ellis news because they do go out and get Tony D'Angelo, um, and like you know, they have Provorov, so it's like okay, you at like let's say Ryan Ellis does it was healthy, then it's like why are you doing that? Because it's like you know, if Ellis is you know, if they had some faith that Ellis would be back um, and playing some significant, then I don't think they would go out and get Tony D'Angelo. Mm-hmm. So I am curious about that. i um, in terms of players to watch. Um, I am in agreement with you that it's gonna be like it's gonna be a garbage fire. This year, but I am curious to see what Torts does with this team. I know that's like kind of a cop out here for players to watch just because it's like you, like, for any, like, for all the head coaches that are out there in the NHL, there's like, there's always like those guys that Torts has that, like, you know, that are like Torts's guys. because um, Nick
0: DeLaurier yeah,
1: Nick Delorier, yeah. Um, even like uh, yeah, um, well, definitely not Brandon Dubinsky, but uh, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, there, there's um, because he famously hates Tortorella. but um, oh, yeah, uh, like even like Cam Atkinson, who's now on the Flyers. Um, I'm trying to think of like an, a very obvious one, but I can't at the moment, but um, but yeah, so the, the, the there's always like those types of players that are their guys who just play hard nosed hockey. Who play both sides of the ice um, and, and all that stuff. Um, so I I was going to like talk about like, you know, maybe like Cam York would be an interesting guy. who could show like, you know, he could replace what Ryan else has or Morgan Frost, as I kind of mentioned, uh, Travis Konechny ended up having a decent year. Um, and he could end up like being traded uh, <laughs> this, if he, uh, if he's worth it. Uh, This this next year, you know, during this season, which is still possible. Owen Tippett's another one, but I'm actually going to go with Joel Farabee. I think that this guy, uh, he plays, he plays like he's a power forward, basically. And he has that very uh, similar like aspect to what John Tortorella looks for in a player who like a hard nosed guy who's plays, who's not afraid to get dirty and in it. Um, but also can score also can like assist also can play some defense. Um, he is injured to start the year. Cause of course he is, he's a Philadelphia flyer, but, uh, he's not, exp- I-, I think he's just going to miss like midway through October basically. Um, so he should be, you know, he should make more than half of the year, um, at the very least, but, like, this past year he had 34 points in 63 games. Um, yeah, he's, like, I, I know that the Flyers are going to be bad, they they will probably be bad, but I don't know, I look forward to seeing that, uh, I think Farabee might end up being their be- their best player um, on their team um, by the end of the year, even though it's like, he, you know, he hasn't shown it just yet, but I, I think he, this guy could really benefit from Torts' Uh, style of hockey.
0: Yeah, and Joel Faraby, like many Philadelphia Flyers last year, had a down year, but the year before, he was very darn good. Uh, If I had to pick a player, I would just pick Tony D'Angelo, mostly because I'm curious to see how him and uh, Tortorella are able to peacefully coexist, and how long before we have uh, our first little spat between those two, because I have a feeling at some point he's going to rub towards the wrong way. Well, I will uh, say... He's not going to stand for it.
1: Well... It's funny that you say stand because uh, both of them notoriously don't like when people kneel uh, during the national anthem. So um, they have that in common. Um,
0: Yeah, but last check, I'm pretty sure uh, uh, Taurus doesn't uh, like it when teammates punch each other.
1: True. Uh, true. Or
0: specifically, one guy well, punches one
1: guy. I I don't know if that's true either because Tortorella did punch the Calgary Flames in the locker room that other time. <laughs> so it's it's different when it's like an opponent, but like yeah, he, I don't I don't think he can really he can really uh, he'd be a hypocrite if he was uh, condoning that stuff. Um, yeah,
0: I mean I mean that that was one time, yeah. but we're talking several incidents over the sure. course of numerous leagues with yeah. D'Angelo. Not, yeah, not of him punching other guys, but yep. of making headlines for all the wrong reasons. That's, Obviously Tortorella has been fined, you know, for yep. comments or whatever, but in terms of like actually going after somebody, yep. uh, the the only incident that comes to mind was that Vancouver Calgary incident. Yeah, and yeah. that he was definitely in the wrong there. But at the same time, I mean... We yeah. all know D'Angelo's track record, and at times it hasn't been the
1: best. Yeah, I get. I guess my point is, is that both of them have like a troubled past, so it's like I, I don't, I don't know. Like in the, in that sense, they could bond over the fact, and like yeah, I don't know either of them personally, but maybe they did learn from from that experience and all. that And, stuff. and the but,
0: other thing is, there were a lot of things. Uh, not a lot. I shouldn't say a lot of things, but there were some things when Tortorella even before the first day of training camp, when uh, Tortorella entered uh, the locker room of the Philadelphia Flyers, you said there were going to be some things that they had to sort out. And I would imagine the very thing at the top of the list for John Tortorella is don't be a distraction. Yep. If D'Angelo gets to be a distraction, they're going to have a talk. You can be sure of it.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's a fair point. Yeah, I, I, I feel like uh, Tortorella, like, he is a disciplinarian. So like if there is an issue... Like I I I have faith that Tortorella will will figure it out. Um. Anyways, um. We'll now go to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um. They add uh, a Jeff Petrie, Petri. Sorry, uh, Ryan Poiling, Ty Smith, Jan Ruta. I'm realizing that there's a lot of like inner division trades this year because of um. Yeah. Like a Petrie and Ty Smith. Um, well, not not Petrie, but Ty Smith, there was another one that, uh, was familiar too. Oh, D'Angelo, um, as well. But, um, anyways, uh, so, uh, Ty Smith, Jan Ruta, Dustin Takarski, Drake Kajula, and Josh Archibald are all added in terms of guys. They lose are John Marino, uh, Mike Matheson, Evan Rodriguez, Brian Boyle, Louis Domingue, and Yuzo Rikula. Um, I
0: also feel, Brett, before you go any further, uh, there were a couple of key free agents that they had the choice of keeping or not keeping. They kept, and I'll mention it because there were a lot of notable names on this list, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, Ricardo Kell, Brian Rust. Yeah. Um, they were all signed to contract extensions.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I I don't usually mention that because it's like okay, it's right? Just, but right.
0: I I mentioned Pittsburgh because that I yeah. I feel they're an exception. Like, yeah. those Fair. guys could have all walked in free agency and they chose to stay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. The Penguins. Um. Yeah. The, the Penguins are an interesting team because I feel like they like this is like who they are like every year. Like, yeah. I I guess to your point, it's like they did end up keeping Malkin and Latang. We both thought that there was, like, no way that they were going to keep those two guys. At the very least, it's like, okay, well, then they're not... Like, if they keep Malkin and Latang, then they're probably not going to keep Raquel, who they just got in the trade deadline. They're not going to keep Ryan Rust. Um, but they ended up keeping those guys as well. So, so yeah, there is something to that. That's a good point, um, which is interesting. Yeah, I guess it's, like, it's interesting from for the Penguins because it's, like, I feel like... This is like they're a lot like the Bruins and the Capitals who are about to talk about. It's like they've they've been so good for so long that um, they kind of are at a standstill right now because they're not going to like like they don't want to trade their their main guys like Crosby and Ovechkin and Bergeron. uh, But they like you know they're they're kind of like old blood at this point and uh, they don't have like youthful players in there um at the same time of course the, you do have Jake Gensel who's still pretty young but yep. like but because they traded all those first round picks um all those years ago they don't and they don't have like a strong development system or a strong scouting system that's hard for them to like really replicate what they were they've been able to do um, but luckily, like, they do have the luxury that they have a generational talent in Sidney Crosby and Malkin, who's one of the most underrated superstars um, in, in like, maybe ever in NHL history. Because uh, he's very good, too, of course. Um, but, uh, yeah, but I don't know. I, I guess, like, I, it wouldn't shock me if the Penguins make the playoffs, because they usually do. Um, but it also wouldn't shock me that... They don't, and this is the year we see them not make the playoffs. Um, but, uh, yeah, what what what's your take on the Penguins?
0: Um, my take on the Pittsburgh Penguins is they're going to continue to defy uh, the hands of time, yep. and uh, father time will catch up to them at some point. Uh, it has in the past couple of years, but, I mean, I, I look at all the additions that they've made to bolster their blue line, and... Uh, the year that Tristan Jerry had and the potential that their top six still has offensively. Yeah. Um, there, there are other teams in the Metro division that I would probably uh, put lower than Pittsburgh at this point. Um, are they probably good enough to win the Metro? That's iffy. But mm-hmm. I still think they're in the playoff conversation for now. Um, the day will come where they're not, but for now – Um, I expect the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, to continue their winning ways. They also bring in Mike Sullivan for another three years. He got a nice, well-deserved contract extension. And that's part of the reason why you shouldn't doubt the Penguins is because a lot of times when you had reason to doubt them, Mike Sullivan got them out of it. He coached his way through injuries, through tough times, through losing streaks, and he was able to get the most out of his group. And that's something that, um, as a head coach, makes you valuable. Uh, it's why John Tortorella has a job once again, making the most of what you have, regardless of the circumstance. And Mike Sullivan is uh, another classic example of coaches that just get the most out of their players.
1: Yeah, yeah. I feel like this. I'm talking to a different Steve because I was ready Because for the last couple of years, I feel like you've been down on the Penguins. Oh yeah. And now you're oh, like, yeah.
0: I've been waiting the chime. I've been yeah. saying, yeah, this new year Pittsburgh's gonna miss the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I, I guess you're and you're tri- you you're doing like reverse psychology on me, or is this is something that you actually believe in. I don't know. Um, it's okay, <laughs> but um, but yeah, that that is interesting. Yeah, and, uh, obviously Mike Mike Sullivan's one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in this league. For yeah, for what you're saying, it, like, and they also have a good team, like. Um, of course, Crosby is very, very good, still uh, not as good as he used to be, and kind of like, you know, this league is now run by, it's more um, McDavid and McKinnon and Matthews, but, like, Crosby is still, like, a very, very good player, um, and he's not talked about it as often as he should be for for whatever reason. Um, mm mm-hmm. But I mean, maybe it's because he's been injured before, and but like he still had like a point per game pace last year, uh, so so there is something to that. Um, also, Jake Gensel is very good. Brian Rust is also very good, and Malkin's very good. So there's that. Um, all right, let's go to the Washington Capitals here. Uh, did,
0: did player to watch?
1: That's players? right. I forgot about that. Uh, thanks for reminding me. Player to watch, Steve. Who is your player to watch?
0: Uh, One of their newest additions, Jeff Petrie. So he's coming off a down year. But again, a lot of people in Montreal had a down year last year. Uh, 27 points in 68 games, only six goals, considering that he got at least 10 goals the four years prior. Um, That's a bit of a downgrade. But only a minus 11. When you look at Montreal's goals for goals against, uh, minus 11 is still pretty darn good when you consider that he averages 22 minutes a night. 124 shots on goal, 140 hits, 117 blocked shots, only three power play points. But again, very down year for Montreal. And his power play time on ice also went down from 222 per game to 143 per game last year. At the moment, Jeff Petrie is slotted on the second pairing with Marcus Peterson. Chris Tang is above him on the first pairing. And you have Vian Rudo and Ty Smith uh, right to left uh, as the third pairing. I think Jeff Petrie, if properly insulated, can get back to his 40-point total, 10-plus goal self um, and and still contribute um, at a respectable rate in terms of ice time. Anywhere from 21 to 23 minutes a night. Um, I expect a bounce-back season from Jeff Petrie. And, you know, at, at 34 years of age, maybe there maybe you get to the point where there is no bounce back and this is the beginning of the end. This is the start of the downfall. Um, but I'm really optimistic that Jeff Petrie is going to be everything the Penguins have been looking for when they traded for him. So he is my player to watch for Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, he could, he does have potential for a bounce back year. I am curious to see how he meshes with uh, Chris Letang. Um, that'll be an interesting like combination yeah. for sure. And Ty Smith too. Uh, that's another yeah. one. Um, all right, uh, so now we go to the Washington Capitals. Um, apologies to uh, anyone who is like, wait a second, players to watch, yeah, didn't do that. Um, anyways, uh, the Washington Capitals add Darcy Kemper, they add Connor Brown, Dylan Strom, Henrik Bjorkstrom, uh, Marcus Johansson, Eric Gustafsson, and Charlie Lindgren. Um, then they lose uh, Vitek Vanecek. Uh, that's another one who's in her division. Um, Sir, uh, I almost said Sergey Ilya Samsonov, Justin Schultz, uh, Michael Kempney, Johan Larson, Dennis Chalowski, another one that's in the division, and Phoenix Copley. Um, and then um, I think we've mentioned before, but just in case it needs to be said, Tom Wilson and Nicholas Backstrom are slated to miss some significant time. Yeah, it's, it is very similar to the Bruins as well It's a very old aging core They're going to miss a couple of their key guys To start the year um, Especially for for the Capitals with uh, Backstrom Because uh, it looks like he's going to be out for most of the season um, And then um, And then, yeah, you have Tom Wilson Who's who's going to miss like a, a couple months But uh, a significant amount of time for sure um, I'm not actually sure what his timetable is. Do you, do you know off the top of your head, Steve, what's the timetable for Wilson? Oh, uh, it's six Tom months. Tom
0: Wilson, I have heard maybe closer to Christmas okay. is when he could be back or early January. Okay, That's, that's, that's one projection that I've so that's like heard half from the, year? Uh, the NHL radio network, I believe is where I heard that.
1: Got it. That's basically like half the year. Um, yeah.
0: Still sooner than Nicholas Backstrom Nicholas Backstrom There's more concern With uh, yeah. his injury recovery yeah, We may uh,
1: Yeah we may never See him play again Which is gonna be, I, think yeah. I, I would hope he comes on.
0: back But yeah You never know The human body I is- think
1: I saw a tweet That there was okay. But yeah you might be right That there is potential yeah. That he, he doesn't But he does come back yeah. But we'll see Um yeah, in terms of the Capitals, I guess they they're, they're going to be an interesting team. I mean, they're they're always in it with with Alex Ovechkin, of course. He's still very good. He's chasing that Gretzky record. Um, of course, uh and he had 15 goals last year in 77 games. Um, but it will be interesting to see like um how he plays without Backstrom because for years that was his centerman. Um, and now like, you know, Kuznetsov is also pretty good, of course. But um, but yeah, it will be interesting to see how they their chemistry versus Backstrom's chemistry. I'm not sure if it'll be the same, but who knows? It could it could have a similar effect. Um, yeah. Before I get to my players to watch, what what's your your take on the Capitals?
0: Well, you're looking at a team that's uh, similar to Pittsburgh, is trying to fight off Father Time, uh, and at some point they're going to be a non-playoff team, uh, similar to Pittsburgh. Uh, Peter Laviolette entering the final year of his contract, uh, so I'm interested uh, to see what he can do with this group and whether or not they decide to bring him back. Um, in my opinion, it doesn't determine on regular season success. It determines what they do in the playoffs because I'm sorry, Cavs fans, to keep mentioning it to you. and Not that you care because you won a Stanley Cup now, but since that series where you beat Vegas to do it, uh, you haven't won a series since. Right? Uh, you've been first-round exits every single time you made the playoffs, at least you Made the playoffs to begin with, but yeah, not won a playoff series since the 2018 Stanley Cup finals against those Vegas Golden Knights. Um, you mentioned Connor Brown coming into the picture. At the moment, on uh, daily faceoff, he's uh, the top line right winger mm-hmm. on a line with Evgeny Kuznetsov and Alan Sobechkin, which I know Connor Brown had some good numbers in junior. Uh, he's been on some teams where he hasn't been able to flex his offensive muscles to this extent yet. So I'm really hoping for a good season for Connor Brown, and I'm interested to see how long that lasts. Uh, and for the Washington Capitals, they're putting a lot of faith—I mean, a lot of faith—in Darcy Kemper and net because mm-hmm. if he doesn't work, the backup is Charlie Lindgren. Uh, and it, honestly, to me, Darcy Kemper is the difference between the Caps making or missing the playoffs.
1: Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, and there was periods of times last year for. For Kemper, who like where it seemed like he was a little bit off, but yeah, that that is a good point. Um, If like if he can continue to be as good as we've seen him in Colorado, Um, he's also
0: had injury concerns in the previous years, which also concerns me.
1: I will say for Charlie Lindgren, you you kind of like brush that off. Uh, Lindgren, I mean, I know it was only five games, so a small sample size, but he did have a 9.58 save percentage and a 1.22 GAA, and he won those five games. I mean, that, that's that's decent. It's not like he, he's he's the worst backup you can have. Um,
0: and, I'm, and I'm not knocking Charlie Lindgren in the sense of what he did last year. Last uh, year he was good. I will give him credit. He he, 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 he was good. But he was also playing in front of a really solid, fully loaded St. Louis Blues defense that really didn't give up too much. And that made his job a bit easier. And also before that, he was a guy that didn't really stay around in the NHL from season to season a whole lot. And now all of a sudden, if Kemper goes down, you're confident going to Charlie Lindgren, uh, who at this point has been a fringe NHL backup that is a very bold gamble if I'm the Caps to be but taken
1: right now. At the same time, that sounds like a Jack, like a Jack Campbell's journey to the NHL. Like yeah, you're basically no, describing he could be the Jack, next Campbell. Jack
0: Campbell. And yeah. you know what? I'm rooting for it if he's the next yeah. Jack Campbell. That'd be an awesome story. I, for I guess sure. I'd love to see him. Yeah. It.
1: No, I, I see but what you're I'm saying. I'm just
0: not sure if he can. That's the that's the thing.
1: Fair. I, I guess it's it's just different with goalies because it's like I feel like they develop a lot later than a lot of yeah. other goalies. Um, like and uh so it's it's really hard to tell like yeah maybe maybe Charlie Lindgren does break out um if if he's good enough but yeah he is 28 years old but that's also not really fair either cuz like a lot of these goalies are in their 30s um so so yeah and it's hard to find a consistent goalie so that's and i that's guess if and
0: if you're in a situation where Kemper does miss a certain period of time yeah. and it's long enough where you're not really confident going into um, a, a, a foreseeable part of your season with a reliable number one goalie out of the question, um, then maybe maybe you bring back Simeon Varlamov. But uh, the yeah. other thing I should mention is you're going to have a lot of money on LTIR with Backstrom and Tom Wilson. Yeah. You need to be cap compliant at some point. So if you bring in Varlamov, well, then that puts you in cap trouble yeah. going forward. So they kind of back themselves into a corner in terms of how well, how much they can improve their roster, and you've seen them go with cheaper depth options, which is good, but if those depth options don't work and the injuries catch up to you and the goaltending isn't getting the job done, that's that's where the Caps uh, could be putting themselves in a very sticky situation.
1: Fair, fair. Yeah, no, good point. Um, as for players to watch, um, I was thinking of saying someone like Connor McMichael or... Uh, Hendrik Lapierre, Lapierre, LaPierre um,
0: Hendrik Lapierre.
1: Yeah, I couldn't pronounce that. I think I got it. Uh, Connor Brown, Connor Sherry is another one. Um, mm. But um, I think I'm going to go with Dylan Strom um, I knew here. it. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm predictable here, or you know, Steve knows me well. Uh, well but, just
0: because we talked a lot about his struggles in Chicago yeah. last year and he but was, he in an But the, the
1: thing him. is is like he didn't really struggle last year. Uh he had forty eight well, points. Well
0: in the first half he really did, but in the second True. half you're right, he got better. He
1: True. Got better. I mean, so the thing is is that uh so yeah, he had forty eight points in sixty nine games. Uh he's twenty four years old. Um and then uh I mean the thing is is that he was playing like that. That's pretty good, decently, ex- especially since he's playing on a. He was playing on a terrible Chicago team. However, his line mates were uh, this guy named Patrick Kane, who's probably the best American forward um, ever, other than maybe Austin Matthews eventually, um, and also Alex Debrinkat. Um And this year, uh, because he's. He, I mean I guess he could supplant um Kuznetsov as the top line center um but his line mates are going to be uh, according to cap friendly here Connor McMichael and Connor Brown. I know you said that Connor Brown's going to be the right winger um uh, on the first line but uh, not according to cap friendly I don't know who to go by but it, anyways um even still like uh, he'll have, he could have Ovechkin and Mantha on his line. You could also have, uh, Connor Brown and Connor McMichael on his line. Connor Sherry's another one and TJ Oshie potentially as well. Yeah. But,
0: daily face off. And mind you, it's July 14th. Yeah. So it's been a while since it's yes. been updated. But you the can latest say the same update for says from second line center with Mantha on the left wing and Oshie on the right.
1: Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess I guess they move McMichael to the left wing here. I don't know why. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it is tough to like. I mean, it is funny that we're like we are saying these lines, but like they're going to change <laughs> pretty pretty soon. So, um, but uh, so it doesn't really matter. But it will be. But the point being is, is if he's not with Ovechkin on his on his wing, um, and who knows. And Tom Wilson is back, and you know, like yeah. he's not going to have the luxury of Patrick Kane. He's not going to have the luxury of Alex DeBrincat. So I am curious to see how good he can be on his own. And you know, not to knock Connor McMichael or Connor Brown or even Anthony Mantha. They're all you know, they've all shown flashes of what they can be, but they're not Patrick Kane um, or DeBrincat. Yeah. So I am I'm I'm mostly curious just to see if like he can be. He can own a line basically, or if he's like not, if he's just going to end up being like just a complimentary player. And here's the thing though is like we were just talking about how Backstrom is on LTIR, but it's very unclear if he's going to be like playing at all this season. So they're like, if Dylan Strome works out for them then yeah, the Capitals are going to be a very good team and they'll be back in the playoffs. But if Dylan Strome is not as good as he was last year, they're they're not going to be a good team. They they're probably won't make the playoffs. Um, so so I, I feel like a lot of it hinges on if Dylan Strome can replace Nicholas Backstrom in an effective way. Um, And yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But like, of course, you have Ovechkin, you have Kuznetsov, you have Mantha. They're all very good players. I do worry about their depth a little bit, um, but yeah, Dylan Strome is my player to watch because he he could be a difference maker or just at the very least like someone who could be um, an interesting player to watch.
0: It should also be noted that Alex Ovechkin had an out of his mind campaign where it seemed he turned back the clock ten years. Yeah, uh, he might have to do it again if the Caps are a playoff team as well. Like right. it's crazy how good Alex Ovechkin was last year Fair. and how instrumental it was uh, from basically launching the Caps into a playoff spot. Like yeah. they had a hundred points on the nose, and that was only good enough for the lowest wild card spot. Yeah, in theory, a lot of the teams that were chasing them last year. Um, are going to be right on their tails for that final spot. So.
1: Right. Okay. Speaking of playoffs, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to do our picks, and then we'll also do the wild card as well. Um, I guess yeah. I'll, I'll just go first because uh, why not? Um, <laughs> I'll yeah. I'll say. Uh, so I it's it's a very tight race. I feel like of all the all the divisions, like this one's the closest one. Like other than Philly, I I think I could realistically see every team make the playoffs. Um, here. But um, I have, in the first, I have the Rangers. Uh, second, I have Carolina. Um, I, I guess the difference maker there, I, I just, I don't know necessarily if they have, like, if they replay, like, they did enough in the offseason, as I mentioned at the start of this. Um, so I'm worried about that. Uh, my third one is a little bit of a shocker. Um, I'm going with Columbus um, this is the third thing. I feel like they um, they can work on their defense at least, or their defense will get better, and their goaltending will get better. Um, and then they that like the Johnny Gaudreau effect will will also help them out too. Um, and then uh, yeah, we'll do wild cards after we get. Who is your top three in the Metro?
0: Um. So Columbus, I will say they have to improve their defense and if Bruce Lincoln says it's not a caliber season and at times last year it looked like he was having one um the 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 absolute highest I would put Columbus is one of the two wild cards okay so they're not a top 3 team for me who is uh, would be the rangers i have them winning the division and i projected they would take a, a step up Um, I would hope they don't rely on Chisjurkin as much to win their games. Uh, I'm hoping the young kids really take a leap, uh, particularly Lafreniere, as I mentioned. Um, But, yeah, I think they have the firepower, the talent uh, to outlast Carolina. It's going to be a dogfight right to the end, but I have the Rangers taking that dogfight. Carolina, as I mentioned, will be hot on their tails Um, They are going to be one of those formidable threats like they've been the past couple of years. They are going to cause a lot of headaches for a lot of teams. Uh, So I've had them as a solid second in this division. And it wouldn't surprise me if they won it again. But uh, for now, I have them second. Third, I said father time isn't catching up to Pittsburgh. And I'm proving it by putting them third. Um, Yes. the main guys contributed uh, to last year's success, continue to do the same, and they get the most other depth guys. They're easily a, a third-place team. But, um, yeah, I, they're not getting over Carolina or the Rangers uh, okay. that much, I will say.
1: Um, how about wild card?
0: This is where I get a bit bold. Okay. I'm going to go and in no particular order. Um my two wildcard teams are the Islanders and Red Wings.
1: Wow. Okay, I thought I you think, were gonna go Homer <laughs> with, with Ottawa.
0: I mean Ottawa's gonna make it close, but okay. I think the Islanders have all the pieces there where if yep. everything just connects chemistry-wise and the coach has a good handle on his players. The Islanders are definitely a shoe in to bounce back and at least get a playoff spot, at least yep. get one of the two wild cards. Detroit, I still have questions that their defense and goaltending are up to snuff, but I just love what Eisman has been uh, able to build on. I think the additions of Andrew Kopp and David Perron are going to pay huge dividends for them. They have been traught, a typical shutdown defenseman that you can just plug in there. Uh, Bort, Sider, and Lucas Raymond, theoretically, are going to take another level up. Uh, Dylan Larkin, they'll probably keep around and yeah. uh, give him an extension, too. Uh, and what, regardless of whether or not they keep or choosing, I think Detroit has the pieces to at least get back into the playoffs. So, yeah, yeah. Um, my, my two wild cards are the Islanders and Red Wings.
1: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I have... I I I know that I probably shouldn't because I'm a homer or whatever, but (laughs) I I I do think Boston will be there. Um, I I I have them as the first wild card Um, because I mean yes I know that they're going to they're not have McAvoy until like Christmas time, and reportedly like a Marshawn is doing better in his surgery stuff, so he could be back by Thanksgiving. Um, was the recent report? So I'm like hopeful for that, and and if if so, and Marshawn is as good as we expect him to be. And this is
0: American Thanksgiving, not the Canadian Thanksgiving right. that's coming up in a few weeks. Just so yeah. we're
1: clear. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. I sh- I guess I should yeah. be so clear. So we're looking at this. late November. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Um, and then um, and then my second wild card. I I was thinking like New Jersey. Um, I was thinking um. Ottawa I was thinking Detroit um but I I I or Washington's the other one but uh I I felt like Pittsburgh is probably the safest choice for for the the second wild card so I I went with uh Pittsburgh um instead but uh yeah so um it was interesting I thought you were going to put in Ottawa as your playoff cuz you've been you've been um Hyping them up all year. I mean, as you should, but I I thought you would you would put it in Ottawa, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Um,
0: Cam, Cam Talbots just had some up and down years, yeah, and I'm fair. not sure what version of Cam Talbot we're gonna get. Yeah. And until they improve their defense and at least add another piece, maybe two, yeah. I'm not confident with calling the sense a playoff team. They're in the mix for a wild card at worst. Hopefully, yeah. please, yeah. but. Um, I don't know if they're good enough to be a playoff team this year. Se- uh, yeah, this that's season. fair. I, I'd be happy if I was wrong, but I I think they just miss out by five or six points.
1: That, that, that's fair. I yeah. I mean they, they should be better than they were at the very least. Um, yeah. Um. Okay, that about does it here uh, for us at Lace Them Up. You can follow us on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace em Up. Also, happy Rosh, Rosh Hashanah for all you Jews out there. Because mm-hmm. um, uh, it is Rosh Hashanah right now, actually. Uh, but um, yeah, that, that about. Uh, oh, um, I think I did all the plugs. Oh, uh, subscribe to us at least um, at any podcast, basically. Do everything, um, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Give us five stars. Give if us five know. stars. Do all this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's. Make that's us a, feel good. Basically, yeah. Um, and that's about it for us here. I'm Brett Dubuff.
0: I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 336 when we preview the Central Division on the Late Up podcast.